What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? I'm back. I know it's been a couple of weeks since I last dropped an episode of Believe in Boston Betting with yours truly, Shuka Rights. I am excited to be back. You heard? You better believe that for a fact. I am excited to be back. I am happy to be talking with you, the listener, and for my loyal listeners that are out there. I appreciate you so much. It has been absolutely a whirlwind the last week or so in Boston sports. And, you know, usually I'll have a guest on the show, but I figured that this week I'm going to fly solo, solo dolo. I mean, no, no guests. It's just going to be me talking about Boston sports, but it's going to be different on this episode of the Believe in Boston betting podcast, where it's going to be straight shot, sharp shooting, straight thoughts on what's been on my mind. Over the last week or so, it's been quite a doozy to say the least, and that's probably putting it nicely. What a week it's been in Boston sports. What a week it's been for the Boston Bruins. And no, I'm not just talking about on the ice. I'm talking about off the ice. I'm talking about what's been going on with the Boston Bruins as it pertains to the off the ice drama that was self-inflicted. I'm talking about Mitchell Miller. Yes, I am going to talk about it on this podcast because I would be doing a disservice to you, the Boston sports fan, if I didn't touch on the topics or the stories that has dominated the Boston sports landscape over the past week. Yes, there, there wasn't an episode last week. But still, even though it happened a week ago, this is the first time I've had the opportunity to talk about it at full length, my full thoughts, unfiltered, not for Twitter, not for social media, but for podcasts or radio. First time I had the opportunity to talk about it since it first happened. So, here on the Believe in Boston Betting Podcast, I'm about to get down and dirty. I'm sure a lot of you, especially on social media, whether it's Twitter or on TikTok, have seen the video by now. If not, it's pinned to my profile on Twitter, in which I went on an absolute barn burner of a rant last Friday when the news broke that the Boston Bruins signed defenseman Mitchell Miller and assigned him to the Providence Bruins. When I found out the news, I had to do a quick Google search. I'm not going to lie. Because I wasn't familiar with the guy, but for some reason, the name sounded familiar. It sounded very familiar. And when I found out who he was, Let's just say that I went into a full state of rage. I couldn't believe that the Boston Bruins were going to bring in a guy who just two plus years ago 
was let go by the Arizona Coyotes because he disabled and he um, bullied, excuse me, a disabled African-American developmentally disabled student. And I couldn't believe it that the Boston Bruins and, and an organization that has a long history of doing things the right way, like that they were going to bring this guy into the organization, I was pissed. I was angry. And the thing that bothered me was, was the people who were demanding that they hear from the student that was bullied in Isaiah Mayer Crothers. As if him being bullied wasn't good enough. And that's, and that's the part that I found to be absolutely disgusting. But I'm going to turn my attention to Mitchell Miller. Because Mitchell Miller, being brought in by the Boston Bruins, told me one of three things. Number one, they didn't give a damn about the, the disabled. Number two, they didn't give a damn about the fans who are black, of color, minority. And thirdly, they didn't care about his character. They thought that he was going to be someone that can be of, you know, of use or value to the organization, perhaps in a few years make his debut and play in the NHL. That's what they thought. And I hated that. I hated it so much that even right now, I still have a hard time wrapping my mind around that this organization truly did its true diligence. That I don't think they really did. And I don't think that they really wanted to. If we're going to be completely frank, did they really do its homework? Or did, they, did they really want to? I think the resounding answer to that is no. The answer to that is no. Because don't be fooled based on what you saw and what you heard in that press conference earlier this week with Cam Neely. He goes to the podium and says, based on new information, we had to let go or cut ties with Mitchell Miller. On new information, how the hell has this information been out for two-plus years? The NHL and the hockey world knew about this story. And you're going to go in front of the media and claim that this was new? This was not new. It was entirely full of hogwash. And if you will, it was complete, utter bullcrap. That's what that was. I'm so emotionally drained from this story that in some way my, my rants and my social media like rants the last week on this story has drained a lot out of me. Even just thinking about it has drained a lot out of me. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you this passionately from my heart right now. This story, no matter what happens next, because even right now, the Bruins are still figuring out how to rid themselves of Mitchell Miller. They haven't officially released him yet. But 
they're trying to figure out how can we move on from this guy without getting the pushback from the NHL Players Association or maybe even from a legal standpoint because Eustace King, who proved to be a real piece of shit, is the agent who has the privilege, I'm using air quotes for those watching the podcast, to represent Mitchell Miller. But this is where I am now. In terms of the Boston Bruins, the organization. I look at the management. I look at Don Sweeney and Cam Neely. And I say that these two individuals have shown me that they have no backbone. They have no balls. They have no sort of moral compass because they didn't truly give a damn. They didn't even reach out to the family of Isaiah Mayer Crothers to talk with them about potentially signing Mitchell Miller. That is a fact. That is the absolute fact. And what makes me sick about this is that even then, with all that we know and all that we have learned, you're still hearing people say, especially on social media, well, he was 14. We all make mistakes. Oh, oh, you're, oh you're so perfect. Hey, hey, dumbass. Guess what I didn't do? What I didn't do was go out out of my way and bully some other kid. That I didn't do. What I didn't do was turn around and use racist jokes towards people who, who didn't look like me. Or has that ever been done to me? At 14 years old, you're old enough to know right from wrong. You're old enough to know right from wrong. And to me, this whole thing reflects poorly on the parents. Because at this point, I look at the parents and I say to myself, man, y'all raised an absolute scumbag, and I'm sure he learned all this behavior from you. Because let's be frank. Let's be very frank. You think that he is going to turn around and not learn that from the people that are closest to him in his life? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Monkey see, monkey do. So he saw... He thought, well, this is okay, so I'm just going to go do it myself and did it himself. We're living in a time in which that we are lacking accountability for the things that we, we plant our seeds in. Yet when they grow and come to fruition, they want to wring their hands dry and say we had nothing to do with this. We raise our kid better than that. And that is a fact, and that is the case with a lot of parents these days, the parents of bullies in particular. All I can do is this. I had the privilege of talking um, this past weekend with the mother of Isaiah Mayer Crothers, Joni, Miss Joni, via email. The only thing I will say is this, is that the number one thing that she's asking right now, prayers from the fans. Because Isaiah right now is not in a very good place. And I can't even begin to imagine what he's going through, having to relive all of this. 
thanks to some pretty negligent people working for the Boston Bruins uh, front office that didn't even care to reach out to the family of Mayor Crothers. That in itself is what disgusts me more than anything else. This hurts so deep on a multitude of levels that, and I've said this consistently on social media, this is going to hurt for a long time. This might just be a permanent stain on the organization, the very organization that has built a culture of inclusivity, respect, and, and, and most importantly, decency, human decency over the last 15-plus years. Thanks to leaders like Zidane Char, who is retired now, and Patrice Bergeron, the current captain of the Boston Bruins. And it's disgusting to think that that the Boston Bruins didn't even have the ball, specifically Sweeney and Neely, specifically those two, not calling out any of the guys on the roster whatsoever. It disgusts me that management decided that they were going to have Patrice Bergeron interview with Elliot Friedman of Hockey Night in Canada on Sportsnet in a clip that was released Friday night. Yet, Neely and Sweeney, specifically Neely, waited several days to go and speak with the media to address this matter, to talk about this story, and basically receive the questions and the criticism from the Boston media. And that's something, is, that is something that I, for the life of me, will never be able to truly let go is the lack of accountability and the lack of decency by two men who are supposed to be a lot more responsible. And I'm not just talking in terms of making sure that the team doesn't go over the salary cap threshold. I'm talking about in terms of, yes, you're, you are responsible for the, the hockey operations of an organization, an original six franchise, was, was such a deep and powerful fan base that this, this fan base just spreads generation to generation. Yet you couldn't even do a simple thing as pick up the phone, like pick up the phone like you like to check your phone and check your texts or tweets or whatever, whatever social media notification that there is. You can even call the parents. Or you can even call his family. You can even call Isaiah yourself. And that is something that I'll look at with absolute scorn and disgust that the Bruins didn't care to. It's not that they couldn't. They didn't care to because they didn't think that this was going to blow up in their face in the way that it has. And that is something that I'm never going to be able to let go. We're going to stop for just a few moments. Coming up next, I want to talk some Patriots and just reflect on the season that has been so far for the New England Patriots at the Patriots are on their bye this week. They don't return until Sunday, November 20th against the New York Jets at home at Gillette Stadium. So I want to give you my thoughts on that. Coming up next, you are listening to Believe in Boston Betting Podcast with your street sugar rights, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your 
podcast, and as well as you can stream it, hear it stream live on Believe Sports Betting Radio on TuneIn. Welcome back to Believe in Boston Betting with Shukri Rates on the Believe Network, also on iHeartRadio. You can stream this podcast as well on Believe Sports Betting Radio, powered by TuneIn Radio app. You can only listen to it on the TuneIn Radio app. So go check that out as well. I'm excited to be part of this brand new venture that Believe is um, launching on TuneIn. They have their own streaming radio uh, channel and wish that you can listen to all betting shows um, that Believe has to offer as part of the Believe Sports Radio lineup as well. And that is absolutely marvelous and wonderful. So we spent the first part of uh, of the podcast talking about – the Mitchell Miller situation as it completely warrants because there, there was no podcast episode last week. This was the opportunity that I was going to use to, to talk about it at, at nauseum and as well as express some things that I hadn't expressed on social media as well. Now I want to move away from this heavy topic to talk about the Patriots who are on their buy now. <laughs> They're five and four. And we are now officially at the halfway mark of the regular season. And if you were to tell me that when the season started, that the Patriots would be five and nine, I would have believed you. I, I really would have. But I will also tell you that none of this is truly surprising when you begin to think about all of the developments that the Patriots have gone through this past training camp, Mac Jones not being healthy or not being happy, rather. Yeah, he wasn't healthy, as a matter of fact. We, we, we also throw in the, the high ankle sprain that caused them to miss several weeks in which that Bailey Zappi took over and Zappi fever became a thing here in New England. And as well as talk about the play calling and the frustration with the offense, all of those things were – Top tier stories as part of the New England Patriots 2022 season. So, with all of those things being said, how am I feeling about this team moving forward as this team begins to get ready for the second half of the regular season when they return in week 11 against the New York Jets? I'm feeling like this is a team that is just barely treading water, so to speak. This is a this is a team that, for a lack of a better term, hmm. This is a team based on what we've seen offensively that is just not very good. You can point to a variety of different reasons. You could say play calling, legitimate reason. That's number one. You can say pass protection. The offensive line has been very pedestrian to awful 
in, in certain chunks of the regular season so far, most specifically when Mike Jones was under center. But for some reason, I noticed it when Bailey Zappi was in the games. Bailey Zappi was actually getting some pretty good projection with the exception of that Monday night game against the Chicago Bears. That was the first time that I noticed that offensive line did not play a good game, protecting Bailey Zappi under center when he came in to take over Mac Jones and wish that he tried to take over and tried to like make his return coming back from the high ankle sprain, which didn't go well. So the question now begs, and it's a fair question to ask, where do the, where do the Patriots go from here? They didn't go out and acquire any additional weapons for Mac Jones at the trade deadline. They didn't go out and add any like significant pieces that's going to help this team in the second half in which that the schedule is only going to get worse. The schedule is only going to get tougher. I mean, let's be frank. <laughs> when you talk about what the Patriots are going to have to like go through in the second half of the season schedule wise. <laughs> let me let me lay it out to you this way. They got the Jets coming up, and then they got the Thursday night um, game on Thanksgiving night on Patriots Vikings, and they have the the Buffalo Bills coming to Gillette December first as a Thursday night game, and they have the they're going to have to travel to Arizona and then Vegas the Cardinals and Raiders, respectively. And that'll take us to the end of December where they're home on Christmas Eve against the the Cincinnati Bengals. They got their work cut out for them. There's no getting around that. And let's look at the offense, first and foremost. Who's your offensive MVP right now? Personally, it's got to be Ramondre Stevenson. It's got to be. Because Ramondre Stevenson, I think, has been the most consistent running back for the Patriots so far to begin the 2022 season. This is a running back that has played well and excelled in all facets and in, in all situations for this team, especially at times where this team has struggled to run the ball, which hasn't been a whole lot. But Ramondre Stevenson has been the, the constant and the most consistent some would even say maybe Jacoby Myers. I wouldn't have a problem giving the offensive MVP at the first half of the season for the Patriots to Jacoby Myers because I think Jacoby Myers has been the best receiver for the Patriots so far this season, no question about it. Now, one would ask, defensive MVP, I think that should go without saying. Matthew Judon, you look at the pass rush for the Patriots in the, in the front seven, they are not where they are without Matthew Judon and the fact that he has been an absolute force leading the NFL with 11 and a half sacks really shouldn't surprise anybody. Because if you remember last year, Matthew Judon was actually among the NFL leaders in sacks before he had that injury, and he just flat out was not the same after. He wasn't. This year, he's healthy. He's healthy, and he is a force. And as I just mentioned, he leads the league in, in sacks with 11 and a half of them. What more can you possibly ask for from your best pass rush who has only made your, your, at least like your front four a lot better? Now, one of the things that I really have enjoyed and appreciate about what the Patriots have been able to do is that their rookies have 
definitely made an impact for this team. You talk about Jack Jones. Jack Jones, like, and his ability and what he's been able to do. Like, there's no question in my mind that Mac, uh, sorry, Jack Jones has been absolutely electric. He's been electric to watch, electric, um, and, and, and take, being able to accept and fulfill all assignments that he's been able to fulfill so far. And what more can you possibly ask for? Now, what's the one area of the team that has disappointed me the most? <sighs> That's tough. Because I don't think there's just one one area. I really don't. I think you can say Mac Jones, and I wouldn't blame you, because he has severely regressed in year two in the league. And you can't point the finger to to the fact that he had a change in offensive coordinator. And I have said this on my radio show locally in, here in the Boston area, 91.5 WMFO, that you have to have continuity and consistency in, in any young quarterback's growth and development. When you're changing offensive coordinators or offensive coaches, air quotes here, from Josh McDaniels to whoever the hell it is, whether it's Patricia or Joe Judge, it's a recipe for disaster. It just is. You just took away the one thing that he was able to grow and thrive under, even though, even though Mac Jones did not play well down the stretch towards the end of last year, but still, he was still able to thrive and at least take command of the offense. So for me, Scott, it's a, it's a combination of Mac Jones, but I would have put that more on Patricia more than anything else. So that now leads me to the next question I'll ask you. Who's been your biggest surprise for the Patriots so far in 2022? And for me, I got to go with Bailey Zappi because I didn't know what you were going to get from a third-string quarterback, especially being asked to come in and perform well in an emergency situation, filling in for Mac Jones, <coughs> pardon me, when he got injured. I didn't think he was going to play as well as he did. I really didn't. So Bailey Zappi and seeing what you may potentially have with Zappi, is something that I do think that he has been the biggest surprise. Now, some may say, like, the fact that Mac Jones in the offense has been has been putrid at times, I wouldn't push back against that because they're up there. The offense as a whole, not just only in Mac, but as an offense, also offensive play calling, it's been very, very much abysmal. It's left me wanting more. And if anything else, I look at this and I say, if you are the Patriots and you're getting ready for the second half of the season, and I just gave you their next six games because they have they have eight more as a whole, but the next six games against the Jets, Vikings, Bills, Cardinals, Raiders, and Bengals, you need your offense to turn around because the way that they played against the Indianapolis Colts this last week Sunday, that's not going to get it done. 
especially against a team like the Vikings. And who knows what's going to be the case with um, with Josh Allen regarding his health and his elbow. The Patriots got to figure it out offensively. And they're going to need Mac Jones to be able to figure it out in terms of buying into the offense, although I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it. But if this team is going to make the playoffs, if, because right now they're on the outside looking in, but if they are going to make the playoffs, they need Mac Jones to buy into the offense and to start playing a lot better, especially when they get down into the red zone, because that's an area where I feel like the last few weeks, they have settled for a lot of field goals. And against elite teams, that's not a recipe for success. That's a recipe for disaster. And that's why I think it's something that is absolutely worth talking about and really getting into ad nauseum. So the Patriots, 5-4, and four, halfway point of the season. They're on their bye in Week 10. They return in Week 11 against the New York Jets. I don't feel thrilled, and I don't feel confident in this team knowing what we all now know about this 2022 New England Patriots team, that this is a team that could make the playoffs. I'm not sure. I'm truly not sure, especially when I look around the the AFC and the AFC landscape. Offensively, they're going to have to really, really figure this out because offensively, and you can definitely pinpoint and look at the offensive line as well, but their play corner, but especially with where Mac Jones is ability to truly buy in and trust what the coaching, coaching staff is doing, for better or worse, because, again, I will say it again, I don't like what I've seen from the coaching staff whatsoever, but for better or worse, Mac Jones has got to buy in into the system that Bill Belichick is has instituted and see where it goes, see where it takes you. Because when your quarterback is not buying in to the system whatsoever, your team doesn't go anywhere. Your team will not have success. And that's just kind of where we are right now. So coming up next on the other side of this very short break, I'm going to you know, like just give you my, my quick thoughts on the Boston Celtics and where we are currently right now in terms of the Celtics so far here in this season. And an interesting development out of, out of the Celtics world that directly but kind of indirectly affects them. I'm going to give you exactly what my thoughts are in this regard on the other side of this temporary break. You're listening to Believe in Boston Betting with Shuka Rates on Believe Network, Believe Sports, and as well as iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts and streaming on TuneIn Radio on Believe Sports Betting Radio Network. Welcome back to Believe in Boston Betting with Shukri Rights on Believe, Believe Network as well as Believe Sports Radio on TuneIn, exclusively on TuneIn. And thank you for those that are listening on iHeartRadio and wherever you get your podcasts as well. Glad to be back here with you after taking a one-week uh, break. And, 
And um, right now with the Celtics, this is a team that, that like, to, to some extent, that we have and have not paid a whole lot of attention to, at least for me personally. But I have been keeping my eye on what the Patriots have been doing and the Bruins. But the Celtics, I've been watching whenever I can. But I will tell you this, though. One thing that has impressed me from what I've seen in regards to this team so far is the growth of Sam Hauser. Sam Hauser, he's in his first full NBA season. And in Utah, if you were to tell me that this guy who's six foot seven, in which that he has shown that he can score, he's definitely a, a lethal three point shooter, that he was going to be a, a vital piece for the Celtics team, I, I don't think I would have believed you. And you you think you think about what he's been able to do so far. He leads the Eastern Conference in three-point percentage, percentage with 53.3% shooting from the three-point line. I mean, we saw and we knew going back to the preseason that Sam Hauser was a guy that, that can shoot the, the, the deep three. He's shown that so far here in the regular season. Last three games, Sam Hauser, I wouldn't say he's been lighting it up, but he's averaged a little more than 15 points per game in his last three games, including... Wednesday night against the Detroit Pistons. Houser scored 24 points. And when you talk about instilling confidence into a coaching staff led by Joe Mazzula, the interim head coach of the Boston Celtics, he hasn't missed. He hasn't really been missing a whole lot from the three-point range. And that's something that that has really, in more ways than one, fill in, I guess, a gap or a hole, if you will, for a Celtics team that was lacking like three-point shooting depth on the bench. As we all know, it got exposed during the NBA Finals last June. But now, you talk about what Sam House has been able to do and what he's been able to contribute so far. I really like what I've seen. And when you talk about what Hauser brings to the table and, and just seeing the fact that his, that his minutes has gone up, and the fact that he's even getting minutes with the starting squad now, that tells you that, hey, we think very highly of this guy, that Sam Hauser is more than good enough and more than capable enough of playing some important minutes. And what more can you possibly ask for? Especially for a guy that was, that was a free agent signing. Before he, um, before he really made his mark with the Boston Celtics, we all know that this is the guy that he was a two-way player last year between the NBA and the G League. And I thought that was just really a testament of his willingness to persevere, to work hard, to get better, become a better shooter. And Sam Hauser has done exactly just that. Yes, I am fawning over Sam Hauser because Sam Hauser, and I, and I felt this way going back to the summer, if he's given a chance, he could really show just how good just how good he is uh, offensively, especially like shooting the deep three. And when you're playing along guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, it helps because obviously those are two of the very best players in the NBA. We all know that as Celtics fans. But, you know, 
Sam Hauser isn't just a three-point shooter, and that's part of what I like about him so much. We obviously know that he's a knockdown shooter. He's a pretty good screen setter. And that he can score off the cuts um, to the basket. And you talk about someone that's just not a one-dimensional player. This is a guy that could, you know, do a variety of different things, brings multiple skills to the table. And what more can you possibly ask for from, from Sam Hauser, which is why he's getting more and more minutes with the starting unit, which obviously includes Horford, Smart, Tatum, and Brown. That, that to me, doesn't even surprise me whatsoever. So Sam Hauser, he's continuing to get better game in and game, game out. Scored a career-high 24 points in the win against the Detroit Pistons on Wednesday night in which that, <laughs> man, listen, the more I watch him, the more I really am convinced that by season's end, he is going to just maybe, just maybe, be a very important part of the potential starting five for the Boston Celtics. Obviously, we have a long way to go between now and as well as um, the, the postseason next April. But how do you not like what you've seen so far? And I'm serious. Like, I really, despite all and wish that the Celtics have gone through, like how, like, how do you not like what you have seen? I do think that when you consider all things, this is a Celtics team that is, they are despite, they are missing um, Robert Williams. Had a little bit of a brain fart, my bad. They're missing Robert Williams. And that there, are, there are certain games, like the game against the Cavaliers, who, by the way, I am truly convinced that that team is for real in the Eastern Conference. But when they're going up against a team like the Cavaliers, they're going up against a team that could that could punish you in the paint, especially like along the rim. And that was where they're missing someone like Robert Williams. Despite not having Robert Williams, this is a team that I believe is going to continue to figure out and find a way to get better. And Jason Tatum t- um, talked about this a little while back in terms of the team getting back to its identity and what made them so good last year. And that was their defense. That that was their bread and butter that carried them um, to the NBA finals. And they have to um, be able to get back to that despite not having Robert Williams for a prolonged period of time. But on a positive for a team that has been plagued by turning over the basketball, they only had 12 turnovers, just 12. And and you got to also give credit to the fact that not only that they've limited the turnovers, but they were able to, to limit the Detroit Pistons to just 41.6% shooting. That tells me that this is a team that, if you, if you remember from last season, early on that they were not a good defensive team. But we obviously know that once January, late January uh, came around, they, they were able to pro- proverbially like, flip the switch. They became one of the best teams in the NBA in terms of opponent shooting percentage. And they were able to limit Detroit's um, shooting percentage to just, uh, just a, a tick over 40%. And that in itself 
combined with shooting 30, 39% from, from long distance, it's a recipe to win. It's an absolute recipe to win. And what more can you possibly ask for from what you've seen from the Celtics so far? There are, there, there are ways that this team can get better, and I think they will continue to get better. I do think that they are getting um, to a point now where they, they are figuring out like what their identity is. Because I don't think they're completely there yet. I really don't. But what I do know is this. What I do know is that this is a Celtics team that they're third in the East right now. Milwaukee, they're, they're ten and one. Cleveland, it was, we were just talking about the game against Cleveland a few, a few nights ago. They're tied with the um, Celtics at eight and three right now. Celtics are third in the East because of their head-to-head matchup against the Cavaliers, having lost that game. But I will tell you this though: they'll get there. They're only eleven games in. This season is so young in many ways than one. I'm not worried about the Celtics one one bit. And if anything else, they're going to get better. They're going to continue to get better as the season progresses. And with that being said, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Believe in Boston Better with your truly Shukri Rates on Believe Network, Believe Sports, as well as on iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts, and as well as Believe Sports Betting Radio on TuneIn as well. This is Shukri Rates saying... Thank you so much for listening, and as well as I'll talk to you next time. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow me on social media at Shukri Writes, at S-H-U-K-R-I-W-R-I-G-H-T-S. Yes, my Twitter account is it is verified. And, yes, I did subscribe to Twitter Blue to, um, to, to verify my account. So that's where I'm at now. So that's where you can follow me, at Shukri Writes. And as well as TikTok, same thing, at Shukri Rights as well. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a great rest of your day or evening whenever you're listening to this podcast. Talk to you guys later. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.